we will draw attention now to who he does focus in on. And that is the people who are there to receive him. Join with me in reading through verses 1 through 12 now. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Father, we just thank you so much for this word. Lord, we pray now that you would just just open the eyes of our understanding, Lord. Make application to our souls. Lord, help us to realize, help me to realize, Lord, that this is not for everybody else, but it's for me. Lord, help me to make application for my soul. Lord, help me to take these things, to consider them, and to walk in them, to obey them. Lord, we just commit this time to you now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Chapter 1 gave us the description. It it brought Jesus into focus. We know this is the Messiah. And Matthew, as he continues through this gospel, he's going to be declaring to us, he's going to be proving to us that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah of Israel. We will see that. And yet the first person that he he makes mention of here uh, in this chapter, he says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, So Herod the king, here's the first person. Here is the first person in this gospel story. We we have the birth of Christ now, and we come to this guy, Herod the king. Now, if you do a Wikipedia search or something like that, or if you have commentaries and things like that, you'll come to this guy, and he's known as Herod the Great. Yeah, there's a lot of people that, including me, that kind of like, kind of choke on the whole great part. It's like Herod the... Yeah. Because this guy, yeah, he, he did have some achievements for sure. He was an amazing architect. If you go to Israel today and you go to the Temple Mount and you, know, you see the Wailing Wall where the Jews, you know, they, they sit there and, and they kind of go back and forth and they slide their prayers into the cracks of the Wailing Wall. That Wailing Wall is one of the stones. And you can't even see the whole thing, but it's like one of the stones of the Temple Mount Foundation. It's the retaining wall. And if you look at those stones, they're enormous, Literally, those stones that we have there today, unless technology has changed since the last time that I was in Israel, at that point, they could not lift those stones with the, with the cranes that we have today. 
Can you think like, wait a second, didn't, weren't they using like ropes and pulleys and that kind of stuff? Yeah, for sure. Unless you buy some of the other stuff where aliens came and like, but I don't really go that route. Sorry. But you know, he had, he had some amazing achievements for sure. But to call him great, to attribute greatness to this man, and, and even man is kind of a, it doesn't quite ring quite true, madman, psychopath, murderer. That's who Herod was. Herod was this man who literally the saying about him was better to be his pig than his son. Right now, pigs are something, obviously, we know they're animals that are bred for eating, consuming, unless you're Jewish today. But you know, that, that's what they were. But his sons, he literally killed multiple people in his own family because he began to become suspicious that they might try to overpower him and take his throne from him. Okay, that's who this guy was. And this man, Herod, uh, he was troubled and suspicious, wasn't he? And when we have these wise men come, now you think, okay, well, who are the wise men? So we need a little background here on these guys too. Who are these wise men? Because when they come and the message that they come with obviously sets him off, you know, and he gets really troubled and really suspicious and really scared, very fearful. Okay, so who are these wise men that bring this message that so disrupts daily life to Herod and also all of Judea, which we'll see in just a moment? Okay, the wise men. Well, that, you know, we declare it as wise men, but what they were, the word is magi. Okay, magi. If you guys are familiar with the Old Testament, the magi, we see them in another book of the, of the Bible. You guys familiar with that? Daniel, the prophet Daniel. And Daniel, when, when Israel was originally conquered and Nebuchadnezzar came and he took all of the best princes, all of the best looking, smartest young men from Israel, and he brought them into Babylon and he, he began to train them up so, you know, in the ways of Babylon so, so that they would know his ways and they would become counselors to him. The greatest of all of these was Daniel. He was the wisest. He was, the, he was you know, Nebuchadnezzar was stoked on him. Okay, just put it that way. And Nebuchadnezzar had actually called and he asked all the Magi to come together. This was before Daniel was in their midst. But he called all of them together and just said, hey, he goes, this is what I want. He says, I had a dream. I want you first to tell me what my dream was. I'm not going to tell you what it is. And then once you tell me what my dream was, then I want you to interpret it for me because it's really bothering me. And the guys were like, no king has ever asked. He goes, what are we, gods? We can't do that. You know, we can't know what you dreamed unless you tell us. Tell us a dream, we'll interpret it. He goes, no. He goes, but if you are who you say you are, if you have the power you say you do, then not only will you be able to interpret the dream, but you'll be able to tell me what the dream was. And all the Magi were like, oh, and he goes, and just to make things interesting, if you don't tell me within a few days, I'm going to have you all murdered. I will kill you all. And so they were all upset and everything like that. And Daniel and his boys, they go, time for a prayer meeting, because they, they would have been murdered with all of those people, even though they had never actually joined the ranks yet. They would be considered part of that group, and they would have been killed too. So Daniel and the boys, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah get together, and they come and they pray. Lord gives them the interpretation and even what the dream is. He comes back, tells Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar is floored, gives glory to God, and what does he do? He makes Daniel the what? The chief magi. Now, these magi, they were a heretical group. That means that you were born into it. It's not, you didn't come in by election. You didn't come in by, oh, hey, this guy's really smart. We like him, bring him in. It wasn't like that at all. If, if your father was a magi, you could become a magi. That's it. And so what Nebuchadnezzar did was completely set them off and made them obviously very antagonistic towards Daniel, which we see later, the whole lion's den thing and all that. But, you know, that's who this group was. And now, 
why did this group of magi now, this Babylonian group, these astrologers, astronomers, why would they be watching for the Messiah of Israel? They worship Dagon, they worship Nebo, they worship all these other gods. Why would these men, these astrologers and astronomers, these wise men, why would they be watching for the king of Israel? Well, there's only conjecture, and it's conjecture, mind you, so don't take it anything beyond that, but that Daniel obviously had an influence on some of them. Some of them hated him and wanted to kill him, but then obviously Daniel was there, and there was some that probably became his disciples and followed after him, and he probably told them of these things that were going to happen, that Messiah was going to be coming, this great king. And so we see that you know, here you have these wise men, these magi from Babylon. You know, They're sitting there, and they're waiting, and they're watching, and they're even wanting for this star to arise, for this sign, this sign in the heaven to come, that they might come and ascribe majesty and glory to this child. Now, this morning, I couldn't help but to notice, so we have the wise men, we have Herod, but then we also have you know, a couple more people. You also have all of Jerusalem, you know, just the masses, the crowds. You know, they're kind of mentioned here in, in this first paragraph of chapter 2. So we have them as well, and we don't hear a whole lot about them, but we'll come back to them in just a second. And then finally, there's one more group of people, and it is the scribes and the priests. These scribes and priests who, above all, knew the scriptures. They knew the prophets. They knew the prophecies. They knew what had happened. They knew what the the shepherds had been going around and telling, because, you know, Word spreads fast, especially when big events happen. When angels show up, start declaring you know, that, that, that the Messiah is here and all that, people know about it. But these men, these priests and these scribes, you know, they, I'm sure they heard all the commotion, and obviously they didn't attribute it. They, they didn't buy it. They were just like, yeah, whatever. And so we have this group as well. And what I find very interesting is there are four groups, the wise men, Herod, the priests, the scribes, and all of Jerusalem. And every single one of these uh, people, these people groups, they all received the Lord Jesus Christ in a different way, didn't they? They all received him a different way. And some valued the Lord Jesus Christ. Some valued this young child who was coming, who would be king, and others did not value his coming. Okay? So I want to start with the wise men. So we we come to these wise men. It says that, behold, wise men from the east had come to Jerusalem. Verse 2, it says, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For listen, for we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Right? Their name is Magi, but it is true. These men, especially in this context, they are the wise ones, aren't they? Right? They are the wise ones because... What are they doing? You know, even before the, the Lord Jesus Christ comes, even before they come and they open their gifts to him, what were they doing? They were prepared for his coming. You know, these men had prepared themselves for receiving the Lord Jesus Christ into their lives. Right? They were there. That They had been told. They had been taught. They, were, they, were, they, they knew to be expecting. So they were watching, and they were waiting, and they were willing for God to come. They were waiting for this child to come, that they might come and honor him, that they might come and worship him, to bow down before him, to give him glory and honor. Right. So there they are, these men of Babylon. And not only did they come just like 
hey, you know, look, there's the star. He's here. He's here. I'm in. Awesome. And then just like worshiped where they were. No, they were so overjoyed. They were so excited. It's like, no, no, we must come. And so when the star of Christ arose and they saw it, they got up. They didn't stay there in their cushy you know, pillows in Babylon. They got up. They packed their bags. They packed their gifts. And they traveled from Babylon all the way to Israel, which is no small feat. And, you know, we don't know how many there were. You know, we always ascribe three wise men, but we have no idea. There's three gifts that we know. But, you know, this group of magi, they were waiting for Christ. They were waiting for him. And it was in that waiting that a desire began to burn in their hearts. Right? There, there was a joy, an, an, an unexplainable joy that was beating within their breast. That it's like, he's coming, he's coming. Will he come today? Will, will his star rise today? Because they're waiting for him. And guys, you know, we have something that we're called to be waiting for Christ as well, haven't we? You know, we have that promise when Christ ascended to the Father. You know, and the angel even declared, it's like, hey, you know, the same Christ, in the same manner that he left, he will return to you. Jesus said, lo, I go to prepare a place for you. He's going to his father's house and he will prepare a place. And when he prepares that place, he said, you know, for sure, he's coming back. He is going to receive us to himself. Right, so, so there is this hope that we have that Christ is going to return for his bride, for his church. And when he does, we will be, if, if it happens within our lifetime, then we will never taste death. We will be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. That's the shortest measure of time, by the way. Right, in the twinkling of an eye, we will be transformed. We will be given our glorified bodies and we will be with him forever. We have this hope. And yet, are we waiting? Are we waiting? Are we like these wise men, like these magi from long ago? Are we anticipating his return? Because if we anticipate his return, then guess what? There's going to be this yearning burning inside of you. It's like, is it today? Is it today? Could this be the day that I see my Lord face to face? Could this be the day that I throw my crown at his feet to worship him in the presence of all of the angels and the saints of old? Could it be today? Because if we are waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ, if we are desiring for his return, it's going to change the way we live, isn't it? If we are desiring it, then when he does come, when that siren sounds, when that, you know, that trumpet calls out, we're not going to be like, oh no. And I always like to just liken this to, you know, anybody here ever been pulled over by a cop? Right? What happens when that woo happens and the lights flash? What happens? Your adrenaline goes and your heart starts going like this and fear immediately floods your soul, doesn't it? Fear. Fear. And yet, and yet, what if that, if you knew, let's say that, you know, there's been another time. Anybody here ever been in a procession to going towards a funeral? Okay. Ever followed the motorcycle police officers as they're going through there? going right through red lights and all that kind of stuff. No big deal. Did you have any fear whatsoever of those police officers in that moment? No, none whatsoever. Okay. At school, anybody ever at you know elementary school and things like that have a police officer come and he comes and he shows you his motorcycle and he's got all the cool stuff and you guys, all you could do is look at the gun, right? For sure. And it's like, oh, look at that gun. Is that real? Is it loaded? Can you shoot it right now? You know, 
you know, you, you have all that kind of stuff. Were you fearful of the police officer in that circumstance? No, of course not. Why? Because he's there to serve and protect you. He's there to teach you. He's there to show you his cool baton that he can beat the bad guys up with, right? You, you're excited to see him. And guys, if we are like these magi, if we are like these wise men who were waiting and longing for the, the, the coming of the Messiah, then when that trumpet sounds, because it will sound, don't be deceived about that. Don't say, you know, Peter talked about that, about there's, there's a whole bunch of people that say, oh, he's not coming. Yeah, everything's happening the same as it happened since the fathers and the fathers' fathers. He's not coming today. Don't be deceived and don't be fooled like that because there is a day, an appointed day, a set day that we do not know the day nor the hour, but trust me, God does, when that trumpet will sound. And guys, what I do not ever want to happen to me or anyone in this room or any of our children is when that trumpet sounds to have the adrenaline go and our heart like this and the fear hit us, is it too late? Is it too late? But instead, instead, my prayer for you, my desire for myself and for my family is that when that trumpet sounds, it'll be like these uh, wise men. In verse 10, it says, and when they saw the star, they rejoiced with what? Exceedingly great joy. Right? When you hear that trumpet sound, there's going to be one of two emotions, fear or exceedingly great joy joy. Which are you ready for today? If the Lord, I mean, let's say like while I'm talking right now, before this message is even over, if the trumpet sounded, does that make you comfortable, super excited, or a little bit, I don't know if I'm ready. Ever, ever talked about the rapture before and, and heard Christians say, I want to be in heaven, but I'm not ready yet. Does that sound wrong to anybody else in this room? I talked to a guy, he was a minister, mind you, and this is when I was a brand new Christian, but I was talking about the rapture, it's like, it's like, oh, dude, man, I can't wait, like, if I die today, I'm stoked, and he's like, yeah, he goes, you know, he goes, I, I, I'm excited for heaven, and, and I want to see Jesus and all, but he goes, but I, I got stuff I want to do, and I was like, really? Hmm, you know, I, I'm, I'm much younger in the faith than you, but it, it kind of had me dumbfounded. Guys, heaven is for real, if you've ever read that book, right? Heaven is for real. It is an absolute. It is a truth that is coming. And it's like that slow-moving freight train, right? And it's going to be coming, it's coming. And, and you can be sure, it's like, you know, it, it may be a long time in coming, and it may have 110 cars going through it when you're waiting at the, at the, the barricades are down, the wigwags are going, right? And, and that thing may take forever to go, but you know what? Eventually that train, no matter, even if it was coming from on the other side of the country, eventually it's going to get here. And you know what? It's, it's just a constant moving thing. They don't stop. They just keep on going. It's a juggernaut. And, you know, it, it's just moving. If you try to park your car in front of that thing, whoa, watch out. Yeah, that thing is coming. And guys, you, we have to understand, we have to walk with this truth this day, that heaven is coming. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. We're going to see that, chapter 3. Jesus, uh, he's going to take up his ministry. Behold, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Guys, we need to be ready for the kingdom of heaven, for it, in truth, is already here, isn't it? The Lord Jesus Christ is the kingdom of heaven. If you thought heaven was a destination, you're wrong. It's a person. 
It's the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, of the Father and the Holy Spirit. It's the place where we are present with him. That's heaven. That's heaven. And so, guys, we need to learn from these guys, these wise men, these magi. They valued the Lord. They valued the promises. They valued the word that was passed down to them from their fathers. And they were wanting, and they were willing, and they were waiting for his return. A lot to learn from these men, isn't there? Who else was present at that time? Well, we had Herod the madman. Herod. Now, here's a guy who, uh, he knew about the Christ, didn't he? Because he calls the scribes, he calls the, the, the priests together. He says, hey, where is the Christ to be born? He knows all the, he knows the scriptures. He knows, you know, he's familiar with the Torah, with the prophets. He, he knows that the promises of the Messiah who are, doing, who are going to be coming. And he says, hey, you know, where is the Christ to be born? So he draws these guys together and the word from these magi, from these men who were excited about what was happening, they were excited to see the coming of the Messiah and they come declaring through all of Jerusalem, hey, where is he who comes in the name of the Lord? Where, where is the Messiah? Where's the Christ? The King of the Jews. That's, that's what they come asking. It says when, so people, you know, they're making a big ruckus and then Herod finds out about it. And he's like, huh? What? Messiah? He's here? And so then he calls, and because there's no value in those things. He, he didn't care about the things of heaven. He, he was, matter of fact, it wasn't that he, he didn't care about them, but he was also, he was so just overcome with his own desire for power, his own desire for position and authority, that he began to fear and loathe the promise. Right? He began to hate the coming of the Christ. It was something that he was fearful of. Right, this madman who killed his own children. Right, this man. Right, the the things of the Lord were not of value to him. And so how did he respond? He was troubled. He was suspicious. He became violent. He became violent. Now, I don't know about you guys. uh, Me and my testimony, there was a time when I was not willing and wanting and waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ and there was a time when I put up with the Lord Jesus Christ to woo my wife. And then there was a time when I hated him. And I despised him. And I was suspicious of him. And I was fearful of him. And I wanted him to have nothing to do with my wife whatsoever. And I would even say it was in my heart to become violent about it. Because this is... It's just the lamest thing, and I feel like an idiot now for even suggesting it to Heidi, but I had asked her to have a suicide pact with me. So I, didn't, I couldn't imagine her being with anybody else. And so I was just like, hey, you know what? If I die, kill yourself, okay? And she's like, uh, no. Let me think about that one for her. No. You know, I was like, it ain't going to happen. And, but like in my mind, I'm like, but Romeo and Juliet, come on, that's the standard. Don't we want to be star-crossed lovers? And it's like... I was an idiot. I was an idiot. And yet, that's the heart of those who fear the Lord. That's the heart of those who aren't wanting and desiring for him to come. There's this, there's this unsettled, it's like, oh, you know, it's like when you think about the coming of the Lord, if you get kind of like, yeah, I'm not really uncomfortable. Let's not talk about that, okay? When somebody says, are you born again? If you're offended, beep, 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 little warning sign, check engine light just came on, low oil, Right, something's wrong. Something's not quite right. I I, I had a friend, and he, and 
very, that, that very thing. And he and I were talking. He goes, he goes, yeah, somebody asked me today if I was born again. He goes, oh, man. I got, and he was getting flesh in his face. He was like all angry at it. And it's like, well, why would that make you angry? And he's like, and he didn't really have an answer. He was just upset. Well, to this day, he's not really walking with the Lord. And so I can, I can tell you why he was upset. Because his spirit is uncomfortable at the thought, the mention that he might not be right with God. And when you start talking about the rapture and the coming of the Lord and the kingdom of heaven, all that, it's like, mm. if you start talking about, oh, grace, 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 he's like, amen, brother, preach it, preach it, word. You know, like he has no problem going for any of that. But the moment you start talking about righteousness, holiness, obedience, things like that, all of a sudden it's just like, don't judge me, brother. Don't judge me. Anybody ever heard that one? For sure. Has it ever been you? Yeah. Yeah. Guys, some will receive Christ with joy. Others will not receive him, and it will be with fear and anger and hatred. Okay? That was Herod. You continue on. Uh, in verse 4, it says, And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And listen to this. I love this. They had the answer, didn't they? They knew right where he was. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it was written about... And they quoted it. Like they, they had the prophet on the tip of their tongue. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. They knew. They knew. But see, here's the thing about these guys. They had an intellectual knowledge of the Christ, didn't they? Do you think these men actually went out when the, when the word from the shepherds came out that the Christ was born, that the host of angel came out? Do you think that they actually had enough curiosity to go out and find out what if those things were true? No, because they would have already known where he was, wouldn't they? They would have told Herod, oh, he's over there. But they didn't. They're just like, oh, what do they know? They're just a bunch of shepherds. Who are they to tell us anything? If the Messiah is going to come, he's going to come on our terms. He's going to come to us first because we're the, we're the highbrows. That's who we are. And so these men, these men, how did they receive the Christ? Well, they did receive him. They're different than Herod. They did receive him, but they received him intellectually only, right? They had no real interest or desire like the Magi to go meet the Messiah, to see him. They weren't waiting for his coming. You know what theirs was? And you've probably known people like this. Maybe you've been like this. Maybe you're like this today. It was enough for them just to be able to brag that they knew where he was, where he should be. They knew about him. And it's like they're able to like, oh, look at me. I know these things. I can quote you the prophet that, he, that, that said that where he would uh, be born. Like, it was enough for them to have a, a knowledge of Christ. And so they received him in that way only. Now, you've heard it many times, I'm sure. If you've been in, in Christian circles for any time whatsoever, that there's a difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. And the, the, the span, the distance between salvation oftentimes is about 18 inches. Right? From here to here. Right? That's it. These men, these men, yes, they received Christ. They, they, they preached a good game. 
Look how holy we are. Look how righteous we are. We have them memorized. We have degrees and we have all of these letters. That's what they called it back in the day. We have these letters. And yet when the Christ was born and word came, they didn't even get up off their sofa. They didn't leave their books to go see the person of the one that they had been reading about. It was enough for them. It was enough. I've got my bragging rights. I know which, which prophet it was. I can quote it. It's all good. That's enough. Guys, we can't be like that. <clears throat> we can't be men and women of word only. There is a Messiah. He is coming. And if we only have an intellectual understanding of that, then we're in trouble. We're in trouble. And, you know, I, I've shared... You know, there's many things since October that I have learned that I knew, but now I know. There are many things that I have learned through the trial that we are in that it's like, you know what? I always knew about it, but I didn't really know it. Guys, this is one area where that, can, that should never, ever be said among us. Okay, If you know about Christ, but you don't know him, see the difference in that? One is a knowledge about something. One of them is intimate knowledge, a friendship, a relationship with. There are many things in this walk, like peace that passes understanding, God's provision when, when you have nothing, all that kind of stuff that sometimes you can know about, but you never really, really know it until you experience it. But there are some things that you must know. Guys, you must know. I quoted C.S. Lewis uh, last week, you know, about the, the Chronicles of Narnia, Last Battle and all that, about the further up, further in, that whole thing about the, 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 the nature of heaven the theology that C.S. Lewis was kind of associating with that. Guys, this is one area. This is one area. The person of Jesus Christ, it can't be this. It cannot be, it must not be this. You have to go further up. You must go further in. You must delve into the person of Jesus Christ. You must seek him out. You must draw near to him. He will draw near to you. You must desire him. You must attribute value to a relationship with him. Because if you don't, then you won't. And when that trumpet sounds, too late. Too late. There's one more group of people in all of this. All Jerusalem. All Jerusalem. It says, verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, it says he was troubled. We already talked about his suspicions, his fears. And it says, in all Jerusalem with him. And you know, it's interesting. There, there were people in here. There were people that were waiting. There was Anna. right? There, there was, uh, I believe, Simeon. There, there, there were guys that were waiting for the Messiah. But in this context, it's just like all Jerusalem. Here, there, it's just all Jerusalem. They're all kind of like matted together. And we do know hindsight being 2020, that the majority of Israel would reject the Christ, wouldn't they? And here we have all of Jerusalem, right? This city, the city of the great king, the city of David, the, the place where everybody went to, like all, it was the center, it was the heart of religion. It was the center and the heart of Israel. 
Jerusalem. It says all of Jerusalem. What were they? Were they excited? Were they exceedingly glad like the Magi? No, they were troubled. Why? Because Herod was troubled. And when Herod gets troubled, everybody gets troubled for sure. But you know what's interesting about this? And as I was just looking at this, now this is more application, mind you. This is application. I'm not saying this is the one interpretation. This is application. But there are people who they don't care. How will they receive Christ? You know, Herod was angry. You know, he hated him, wanted to destroy him. You have the priests and the scribes, and they knew about him, and that was enough. And you have the Magi. They loved him. They worshiped him. They were waiting and longing for him. And then you have other people just like, don't care either way. It's good for you. It's good for you. And that's enough. But wow, Herod's upset. That makes me upset. There are people who kind of play the whole Switzerland card. Hey, you know what? I'm in between. I'm on the fence. But hey, don't go. Don't don't get so mad. Hey, 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 what what are you doing? Don't don't be so close-minded. What are you doing? They they kind of play this card. It's like they're they're only disturbed when somebody else is disturbed. They're only riled out of their lethargy when other people get a little bit excited. Right? When when people fly you know planes into buildings and things like that, it's like whoa 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 hey 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 let's not get too hasty. What are you doing? What are you doing? Come on now. When somebody says Jesus, oh, come on, come on. There's lots of roads to God. We all know that, don't we? Right? There are people who, who receive Christ, but it's more just like, eh, whatever. There's no passion. There's no desire. There's no anger. They're just lukewarm. You guys remember what Jesus said about uh, lukewarm people in the book of Revelation? He says, I would, he goes, I would prefer that you were hot on fire for the Lord or cold dead. He says, but because you're lukewarm, anybody here ever drunk lukewarm milk? Disgusting, isn't it? The word that Jesus used was, therefore I will vomit you out of my mouth. That's pretty hardcore, isn't it? Okay, guys, there's lots of different ways to receive the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. And the wise men, they worshipped him. They were waiting for him. They were longing for him. You have Herod. He feared him. He hated him. He was distrusting of him. You had the priests. They intellectually knew about Christ, but they weren't willing to go the next step. They weren't willing to actually go out and meet him. And it's like, gosh, you know, they were in the province of Judea. They weren't like really far away, were they? You know, Christ was, you know, on the, he was circumcised on the eighth day, according to the, to the, the commandments of the Lord. He was there and, you know, they had the whole thing. He was right there in their midst. Did they make the effort to go out? No, they were too busy about their studies and about making people think that they were holy and righteous. Okay. And then there's people who are just completely indifferent. What do these things have to do with me? I don't care. What do I care? And the question that I have this morning is, how will you receive him? How have you received him this morning? Is he the promised Messiah, the deliverer? Is he the one who is drawing you to him? Have you heard his voice and you recognize that is my master, that is my God, that is my shepherd? And are you pulling towards him? Are you drawing to him? Are you coming to the sheepfold? Are you longing for him? I have to tell you, you know, with a daughter with, with a, a mortal disease, you know, and, and we were talking with the, the 
one of the doctors on last Tuesday, and Trinity asked, how long do I have to be doing this? And, instead of, and the doctor, instead of just saying, hey, you know what, you might have to do this for the rest of your life, she said, well, she goes, usually the, the maintenance is about a year. It's about a year. And Trinity didn't understand what that meant. She didn't know that that meant that the, the medicines usually stop working in about a year. So you come to October this year, yeah, that's, that, that's the time frame that, they, that the doctors give. But guys, you have to know, I wake up every single morning, Lord, is it today? Lord, it'd be really cool. Trinity really wants to be in the rapture. Oh, Lord, she'd really like to be in the rapture. Heaven is so much more real and vivid and alive. And there's this yearning, this desire. And, you know, I'm, you know, if the Lord takes her home, and trust me, she's excited. You know, I, I'm excited for my daughter. It's like, wow. You know, she'll be there like that, like that song that Landon was singing. You know, it's like she'll be ascribing glory to him. She'll be casting her crown before him. You know, there's, there's no fear in that. But you have to know from like a father's heart, from a mother's heart, that, boy, heaven sure becomes a lot more precious and that rapture sure becomes a thing that's like, oh, Lord, please, please, Lord, how about today? How about today, Lord? Is it now? Is it now? Guys, these things are real. They're not just stories. If you came to hear the story from a pastor, then I'm sorry, because I'm not that good of a storyteller. But see, these are eternal truths. These things you can count on. See, the bank's not, you know, you know the, the whole stock market. You know all these things. You know the threats of China. You know all these different things that are going along. You know, you have like all of Europe going bankrupt and Germany kind of like, hey, we're, we're just going to conquer you without firing a bullet by buying all your debt. So now we, we kind of call the shots. You know, we, we've got all of this. You, know, you look at all that kind of stuff. All of that stuff is insecure, isn't it? Oh, but wait a second. I've got like a $200,000 insurance policy, you know, FDC insured, you know, all that. It's like, yeah, you know, that doesn't mean anything. You get a run on the bank, it's gone. Sorry. But these things are sure. These things are eternal. These things cannot be taken by a thief. They cannot be destroyed by a rust. Guys, how you received the Christ, how you will receive the Christ, is the only thing that matters in this life. It is the only thing that matters. Because if these things are true, then nothing else matters. Who cares what my portfolio looks like when I'm 65? Will I be able to retire? Will I, have to, will I have to work longer? In the end, if I have my barns full and yet I lose my soul, the Lord will say, you fool. You fool. Did you not know that your soul was required of you this day? And yet I can be a pauper and I can be working at Walmart in my golden years in my retirement age, and yet if I have the Lord Jesus Christ in my heart and I am longing and waiting for his coming, then I have everything. I have everything. Guys, the Christ has come. Jesus has come. And know what? He is coming again. 
We do not know the day. We do not know the hour. We do know the signs and the times. We know the seasons that, we know the things that are going to be associated with his return. We know the things that are surrounding them. And guys, guess what? Those things did start to come to pass. 1948, Israel, nationhood. There it is. Wow. Prophecy hadn't been fulfilled in a long time. It's being fulfilled. It began. And the things, they are being positioned as we speak, it's all coming together. It's all, you know, so we can't say, oh, I know the day. It's going to be here. Oh, there's the Antichrist over there in case you were wondering. If anybody ever says that, don't believe him. All right, because it says that he won't be revealed until we're gone. So if you find out who the Antichrist is, it means you waited too long. Hear that? You hear that? If you know who the Antichrist is, it means you waited too long. Okay? Guys. This morning, we're going to be celebrating communion. This morning, we are going to be coming to the table of the Lord. How will you receive him? Is it a cracker and some grape juice? Those gluten-free ones are pretty tasty, aren't they? they got a nice texture. They're crunchy. They're not so bland as the, as the normal one. Aren't you glad we have gluten-free people here? Right? Is that how you'll receive him? Are you receiving them like I did before I became a Christian where you're angry and, and you're like, I don't know, I have to take this anyway. I just do it to please my wife or my husband. Or will you come before the throne and say, this, this I do in the remembrance of my king who was crucified for me on my cross, who poured out his blood because he loves me so much. How will you receive him this morning? It is a question I beg of you to answer before you walk out of here this day. I plead with you, please, please, don't leave without knowing for sure how you will receive and how you have received the Messiah. It is of the utmost importance. Nothing else matters. Please, don't put this off. He is a king, and rightfully to be worshipped and praised and given glory and all that you have, everything that you are, the fullness of your person. Give it to him.